Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well That's done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could have edited that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I said all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V, by Amal Alwood, and we're at the Words on the Waves Festival. So there's a little bit of background now noise, but I think it just adds to the atmosphere. Welcome, and thank you for sitting here with me today. Thank you for having me. We are sitting outside, I should tell listeners, and we are looking at the waves, and there are a fair few people out here now, too, enjoying the beautiful view and a lovely weather. A little bit of chill in the air, but I wouldn't complain, right? No, it's nice. Definitely nice. <laughs> now, your book, In My Past Life, I Was Cleopatra. I love that title. Can you give us an elevator pitch as to what this one's about? The book is essentially my explorations through New Age practices, um, coming from the perspective of someone who, you know, grew up with spirituality and religion and an interest in the unseen. You know, I, I guess I'm a seeker. And so I realised I had so much knowledge and experience that I thought would be valuable to other people because we live in a world where we're just inundated with options mm. you know how to be your best self and you know how to have the best life and all these sorts of things and it's like what are we really looking for when we're going after these things and so for me there's an inner world or an inner journey that we can take that I find far more interesting than external gain not that external things are irrelevant but the book is really about that internal journey that you can take and you know the spiritual tone of that mm. um, and really you know when I was writing it I don't know who my audience was but I think I've come to the conclusion recently that it's probably for you know the people I would call woo curious you know woo woo people <laughs> might not find it that interesting because they'll be like oh well I already knew all this you know <laughs> whereas people who haven't necessarily got a lot of experience in this sort of thing or a bit skeptical like I have a lot of skepticism about a lot of things but I ultimately as somebody told me I'm a believer who wants to believe, you know, I, I do believe there's more to us. That was great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry, we were recording. <laughs> Thanks, Bridget. <laughs>
just adds a little bit of, you know. There you go. You heard it from Bridget. You were great. Um, well, we knew that already. Thank you. Um, so it's really probably for people who, you know, they've had a tarot card reading mm. and they're not quite sure what to make of it. Or, you know, they, they do some yoga here and there. Or they, they, you know, they do things that they might consider well, well-being practices that have a bit of a woo-ness to them. Mm. Um, but it's really for people who want to understand what is this marketplace, this mind-body-spirit marketplace. It's so confusing and huge and it's sort of like I'm trying to distill the essential elements and it's quite fun like there are some funny stories in there um, I'm not mocking it because for me uh, it's very affectionate towards this sort of thing but I do put things under the microscope a bit as well like there are a lot of things in there that I do find questionable and I think people um, we are quite su suggestible especially when we're vulnerable so I, I'm trying yes. to give people sort of tips on how to navigate these spaces when they're in pain or when they're looking for solutions and mm. things look appealing but maybe they can't afford it or maybe they can afford it but then they end up realizing it's a bigger investment than they thought and that's Sort of and so, you cover a lot of these things in here. I'm just flicking through the book now, you know, the subtle art of not giving an F, uh, breaking the habits of being yourself. So you sort of got a little bit of a, a narrative about all of these self-help books. Yeah. What do you think, I don't know if you can talk about generally, but what do you think about self-help books in terms of becoming the best you you can be? I mean, they have their value. I think you should be selective. I don't think self-help is so broad a, a term. Yeah. And one of the things that I try to break down in the book, because I needed to do it for myself, was try to understand, well, is self-help woo? You know, and it's not completely. A lot of self-help is psychology, you know, and a lot of... Um, but there are a lot of authors in the space who... They're, they're offering practical solutions, but there's a woo-ness to it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe it involves ritual or maybe it, you know, involves belief in something unseen, all that sort of thing. Um, but look, I absolutely think self-help has its value. I don't think you should be a broad subscriber of anything, though. I think you should mm. investigate. Yeah. Do your research. That's Absolutely. what we're here to do, to experience and find out what works for us. Yeah, what works for you. I like that idea because not everything works for you. Now, how would you describe or define woo? <laughs> woo is like, <laughs> you know, sort of like things that are a little bit out there and, and very ritualistic and sometimes a bit performative, if you ask me. But woo is like, you know, I, I have this whole scale that in the book where I ask people to sort of put themselves on the scale of woo-ness and it's like, like how woo are you um, and you know I guess you know are you a signing off in in love and light kind of person or are you someone who's like oh my god this is all a load of crap you know so that's like you know the two ends of the spectrum um if you get a test for this I'd be interested it's, it's kind of a, it's, there's, a, there's a graph there's a table in here somewhere in the early pages where you can sort of find out where you sit oh, it's not an exhaustive one I, I like looking at it now I feel like there's a lot more I could have added oh I think we just found the table um and and it's, it's essentially this idea of like you know, maybe you like tarot cards, but you see them as a practical tool because they are. They're a practical tool a lot of the time. Whereas, or are you the type who sees it as a deeply spiritual tool that you use as the altar and you, you know, you base rituals on them. You know, there are just different ways to look at the same thing. Um, so, Wu is, is essentially, you know, that, that sort of um, indefinable thing, the sort of belief in something unseen. Uh, ideas that sort of revolve around things like ascended masters and spirit guides and yeah so you have this this whole table of Ooh. are you a full skeptic or rationalist and atheist or are you somebody who sort of sees oh maybe there's a little bit to it but I'm not completely a full subscriber or are you somebody who's on the other end and just says oh my god I'm here for it I'm gonna change my first name to priestess you know like that sort of thing where do you sit on the word uh, where do you I'm I, everybody asks me this I think I'm somewhere here like maybe uh, uh, 
what are, what are they? Sorry, here it's a. I think I'm. A, it's a wonderful life. Mm, Though I, I probably have a bit of Whipperman in me too, but you know. Whipperman, I love this. So, so if you're wonderful, you maintain at least one regular spiritual practice, and that could be meditation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I go on retreats and even have a psychic. I'm open to trying new things. I use the word energy, vibration, resonate, and higher self. So that's you. I think I don't have a regular psychic. It's not an exhaustive list. Yeah, like yeah. You can identify even just two or three things mm -hmm. out of each box. Then maybe that's where you mm. sort of gravitate. Or you might be a little bit of this column and a little bit of that mm. column. It's just to show you the graduation like of weirdness. Like you can go from being someone who's like, look, this lady read my tarot cards once. And I thought it was pretty cool, but whatever. Yeah. So, oh my God, yes, I have a psychic and That's I'm regular, I and I, I won't make big decisions without her help, sort uh -huh. of thing. I think I'm in between woo curious and getting woomer. So I do like yeah. to meditate and yoga and books on mindfulness. Yeah. So you know, this is a great example of something that can be deeply wooful, or it can be just a normal exercise practice yeah. that people do. And I love essential oils, but don't use them. I've got one in my bag. In fact, it's called anxiety, which I feel like it should be called the opposite it should be called calm because whenever i'm putting it on myself i feel like i'm putting anxiety on my wrists yeah that is it's strange to it's name weird, it right? what it's trying to get rid of yes yeah, yeah, i feel yeah. very psychologically not sound to do that anyway i agree i thought it was just me <laughs> no, no, this no. is very interesting but i want to talk to you about you know your psychics and your tarot readers because i actually have a real fear of them and that's just me but is that something that comes into play because you're kind of scared of what they might tell you or you want to be in charge of your own destiny? Um, yeah, so there's a whole section on divination because I, I absolutely love cards and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm Arab. We come from a background of reading our coffee cups, you yeah. know, so I think there's something very social to it. I think it can be a really useful, practical tool. You don't have to be a full believer. Um, yes, and also, yes, you absolutely shouldn't be signing over your fate to a reader. So I think that there are some dodgy readers out there, but there are some amazing readers out there. And I think what you've got to understand is readings are like mirrors. They're meant to sort of help you identify things within yourself. Okay. Like you are a guidance system as well. So what I would say, and I, I, add, I do throw in some tips there, that if you are someone who is, you know, you definitely want a reading, here are some things to look out for. But also just don't hand over all of your power to somebody else to tell you who you are, what you're going to do. Use your gut instinct as you're listening to this person. Like, is what they're saying resonating with you? Does it sound right? Does it give you the confirmation you need about something? Is it helping you to move forward or is it keeping you stuck? You know, is it giving you the solution you want to hear, but no, deep down is not right for you? This is, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a very sensible approach, so I like that. And, and I think where I where I would have concerns is when you have people who they are very, you know, vulnerable, they're suggestible, they go to see someone. I mean, I, there are people who just constantly go to psychics, and so they're not really living mm. because they're just constantly getting that hit, that affirmation. Yes, everything's great. This is going to happen for you, and that's going to happen. And you just feel like everything's amazing, mm. and then you realize, you know, the next day or a week later, you feel crap again. Mm. What's the solution that comes out of the reading? How are you going to improve your circumstances, or what's the next step for you? They're the things that I would look out for with a reading. I would use them more for confirmation than for information, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that sensible approach to them. Yeah. And the idea of it's about you know looking inward, not about looking to the future, etc., yeah. etc. Et because otherwise, you're not being present, are you? And no, and, a, and, and you, you get very like when you're younger, especially like in my early days of getting readings, I was in that dark place, mm -hmm. wanting the affirmation yep. and wanting you know to know that everything's going to be great and everything I want but what was missing from that equation was understanding I, I 
I was the essential component of all of that. Yep. And so I think if you can use them as a tool to help guide yourself towards a better better existence or a more peaceful existence, that's great. Why yeah. not? Go, go crazy. But yeah, just do what is right for you. Yeah. And I yeah, I really like that as well. Okay, that's fantastic. Now this is your sixth novel, which is you know, yeah. remarkable. Yeah. And you know, you touch on some really important topics in all of your novels can you talk about some of the other books that you've written so I, i've written well i have a third novel coming out so so out of my books so i'll have another book out later this year and that so that will make seven books mm-hmm. so three of those are novels and four of those are non-fiction mm-hmm. including cleopatra and the non-fiction books are generally explorations of life so one book was called um it's called Beyond Feld's Clichés, The Real Lives of Arab Women, and that was me deep diving into my own life as an Arab woman, but also I went to the Middle East and I interviewed women over there, mm-hmm. and I interviewed Arab women here and, and really kind of explored what that means. And hopefully by the end of the book you realise that women's issues are women's issues, yeah. regardless of culture. Of course there are cultural nuances and aspects to that, but that was that was a really interesting exploration of seeing the universality of our issues as women. The next book after that was Fridays with My Folks, uh, stories on ageing, illness and life and my father has a chronic condition, kidney failure, so it prompted me to explore, well, how does this, how do, how do families navigate this, especially in Australia? And so I went on a deep dive into that, interviewed a lot of experts, but also included that all my books have a personal threat, mm-hmm. so I, I lay myself bare as well, because it's it's not it's sort of, it's easy to go and ask people to share things, yeah. but you need to sort of share something of yourself as well, as you take the reader by the hand and say, this is, this is the stuff I'm going to show you, and look, I'm in it too, you know? So then Cleopatra came along because it was it was something else I was deeply interested in and fascinated by because I think we we have a lot of suffering in the world. We have a lot of people who I think are suffering unnecessarily sometimes. And sometimes it's absolutely something they can't help because it is something traumatic is happening. Their circumstances are dire. But there are people whose circumstances aren't dire and they're still suffering. So why are we so ill-equipped to be human? <laughs> um, yeah, and why is, what's the new age giving us in the process? There's a bit of a performative aspect to the new age. A lot of you know crystals on Instagram and all this sort of stuff. But what is it really telling you about yourself? What's it really doing for your own progression? It's interesting you talk about suffering because I don't know if the rise in you know mental health and anxiety and depression is because we're more comfortable in seeing someone about it or getting diagnosed about it, or if there's something about living in today's society that we, we don't know how to be. We, we struggle with that humanness. So I'm not sure. We absolutely either. struggle with that because I, I talked about this in the talk just now. Um, there's a lot of power imbalances in the world and I, I think that that's a huge component of why we suffer because uh, other people have more power or we believe they have more power or they exert more power over us whether it's in the workplace or in our daily lives whether it's over our race over our sexuality you know we're constantly coming up against power yeah. imbalances so that's a huge factor of why why we suffer mm. um, and I and I just also think that like you know at the end of the day we, we lack self-awareness and that's your superpower like you, your, your yeah. awareness of your place in the world your awareness of your desires and why you have them and there's a lot of I'll be happy when I have this yes so if you have a reliance on the external world your internal world will suffer mm. your internal world is what you want to be resilient and robust 
and your external world will begin to be a reflection of your internal world. Whereas I think we do it the other way around. We buy the car and think it's going to make us happy inside, and it doesn't. And then we wonder why. Mm. Because it's just a car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. It doesn't talk to us when we're lonely <laughs> yeah, or sad, I, does it? I know we, we sometimes need a car, and, and that's great. It has utility, but does it make you fulfilled? Mm. No. And, and this is why you have people who are ridiculously wealthy who are miserable. Yeah, absolutely. If money oh. made people happy, it would be a very easy answer. Yeah, I love this conversation. It's like the three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and I'm having this wonderfully deep conversation, but it all makes so much sense and it's so sensible. Now, seven books this year, very impressive. A question I ask all my guests when they come onto the podcast, why do you write? Oh God, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I have a very strong creative drive. I actually think creativity is another savior. I think it's something we all need. Absolutely. And I think, um, I think I'm just in, innately a storyteller. I think I see the world through story. I think the, the world exists through story, to be honest. I think we're constantly being fed stories. And I, I think it's just a skill set that I, I've been able to build up. So I, I write because um, I don't know what, what else I could do with that energy, you know, that, that drive. I mean, there are other things I do. For example, you know, um, I do a bit of extras work here and there and I, I do acting classes and I love that. Um, I don't know that I could make a living out of that. I mean, you barely make a living out of being an author, if you're being honest. <laughs> um, but it's just, I think that was the thing I gravitated towards words. You know, I, I'm actually a lawyer by background and I abandoned it because I knew I just didn't see my future and more. And maybe my parents will forgive me one day, but you know, my dad was, I think, quite disappointed when I turned my back on it, but it just wasn't satisfying to me. Um, whereas I think having a journalism career then having a career with novels and, and non-fiction books it tells me that we are hungry for stories to tell us who we are, to, to see our, to find ourselves in, and all that sort of thing. And it's it's a lovely gift to have that ability to be able to share knowledge and wisdom with people in that way, and to sneak up on them, you know, with ideas and thoughts that they they maybe have had but didn't really know how to explore. Mm. Oh, I love that answer. I really do. And I've loved chatting with you, and I can't wait to get into this book and get into the woo because it is so intriguing and I really like your sensible approach to it though. You Thank know? you. Oh, I wasn't so. real. This is the, after many years of hard work, of, <laughs> you know, giving in and realising there is a sceptic that's very alive in me and I need to acknowledge that. So. But I think if you use the scepticism um, sensibly, that's what can keep you safe, you know? I think it's totally fine to seek experience. Yes. I think you shouldn't switch your brain off at the door. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Thank you so much for your My time. My pleasure. It's, Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you, really. Thanks, Ben. Thank you.